people, I've got a seat saved up for you right here. Come on up. Y'all cannot sit back there anymore. Man, I've got used to y'all sitting up here. I like to have you within spitting distance. Y'all come right up here and line up on these two front pews. Thank you so much. Man, don't that look good? We love them. We're so thankful for them. Glad to have each and every one of you here tonight. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. Let me read to you an old hymn song. A hymn song that um, we started singing around here that, man, I absolutely love. And I know that mo many of you do as well. I've heard you speak about it several times. And, um, it's called The Love of God. Listen to, listen to this. I won't sing it to you. That won't be a blessing to you. But listen to the words. It says, The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. And I agree with that. I am limited in the wording I have to describe how much God loves us. I, and I'm not alone. Everybody truly is. I mean, I, there's a lot of preachers better than myself, uh, and they still have trouble um, with their tongue explaining just how much God loves us. And so I understand what the writer's talking about full well. The love of God goes further than any words that we can speak. And, and I, I, I love it how he says it. It goes beyond the high star. Watch this now. And reaches to the lowest tail. The psalmist put it like this. He said, I was in a miry pit. And the Lord reached down and pulled me up out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon the solid rock. And, and folks, I, I know what that's like. Because I myself was in that miry clay. I was in a horrible pit. And, and just like this song says, the love of God reached down to the lowest tail and picked me up from where I was. And man, I'm so thankful that God loves me. How about you? Listen to this. It goes beyond the high star and reaches the lowest hill. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son, his one and only son to win. His erring child, watch this now, he reconciled. To reconcile means to be brought close. We who once were separated because of our sin, God has brought us near through the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2 tells us. He has reconciled us back to himself through the Lord Jesus and pardoned us. From our sin, when all of time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall. Now, how many of you know that's going to happen? There's going to come a time when they will no longer be in America or in England or you name the country. It just won't be here. I mean, all earthly kings, kingdoms, and thrones will one day fall. But I am so very thankful that even in those times, God's love will still be real for me. God's love is everlasting. We've learned in the book of Revelation that Jesus is the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. When all else falls away, He still remains. And so does His love. Wow. He goes on to say, When men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love's so sure shall still endure. God's love, listen to me now, is not affected by men's choices. Whether men choose to accept God or not, it doesn't change one bit how God loves all mankind. I'm so thankful for that. He goes on to say, um, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong. Watch this now. This is one of my favorite lines in this. Redeeming grace to Adam's race. That's me and you. Hey, you know, we came from Adam, and because we came from Adam, we was born into the sin of Adam. Can you say amen? When we were born into this flesh. But God, because of His love, has offered unto each one of us through Jesus redeeming grace. Grace that buys us back 
from our slave master, the sin that we're in. He goes on to say, the saints and the angels song, could we with ink, watch this now, the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole. Though stretched from sky to sky. Now I am told, I read some of the history of this song this week. And uh, I am told that uh, this verse number 3 was actually found on the wall of an insane asylum. When the patient was taken out of his room and taken to be buried, uh, they found this written on the, uh, on the insane asylum wall. Now I want to tell you something. That brother may have problems, but he wasn't crazy. To write something like that, that's pretty good stuff. I don't know that you could explain the love of God, how big it is, how wonderful it is, than that third verse. Tonight, I'm going to give you three truths concerning the love of God. Three things I want you to know about God's love. Number one, God's love is shown through Christ. If you believe it, say amen. Now then, now I want you to know there's three ways God shows his love through Christ. First of all, it's in his person. In John chapter number 14, we see the story of Jesus speaking unto his disciples right before he goes to the cross. They've already had the last supper. Um, they're about to go under the Mount of Olives. And in John chapter number 14 and down in verse number, what's this now? Verse number um, 9. Jesus says something to Philip that we all need to take note of. The Bible says in John 14, 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. Now, you've got to get the picture. These men had been following Jesus for three and a half years throughout his earthly ministry. They forsook all, the Bible says, and they followed Christ. They left their homes, they left their families, they left their businesses, they left their friends. They left their uh, communities to go and be with Jesus while he walked upon this earth. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes to him and he says, guys, I'm fixing to go back to where I came from. I'm going to go down a cross and we know he's going to raise again, be risen again the third day and then 40 days later he will ascend back to his heavenly father and he tells them here. He says, where I'm going right now you can't come. And I'm telling you, I think that was a very very discouraging time for these disciples. Don't you think it would be if you'd left everything to follow Jesus and all of a sudden he says, where I'm going you can't come? That had to have jerked the rug right out from under their feet. I think they were very discouraged. Philip was very discouraged when he said, Lord, if you'll just show us the Father, that'll satisfy me. Jesus says something very plain. He says in verse 9, Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me, watch this now, hath seen the Father. Now let me tell you what 1 John 4 and 8. 1 John 4 and 8 says that God is love. Now how many of you know God does love? Amen. He loves you and He loves me, but it goes even much deeper than that. It says God is love. If you want to describe God, you describe Him as love. The essence of love is God. Amen. God is love. And so if Jesus says unto Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, really what He's saying is, Philip, I am God the Father manifest in the flesh. I am God walking around in the flesh. Amen. 
And if you want to know how God loves Philip, you look at how I love. If you want to know how God operates, you look at how I operate. So in the person of Jesus, the love of God is shown. Can you say amen to that? But also I want you to know, in the practice of Jesus, the love of God is shown. We said this morning that Jesus had compassion on wandering people. According to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, Mark, Mark chapter 6 and verse number 34. We said this morning that Jesus had compassion on hurting people, on lonely people. According to Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 44. We said this morning Jesus had compassion on those who couldn't fix their situation. Have you ever had a situation you couldn't fix? I want you to know. Jesus has compassion for you. He loves you. If you don't get anything else, I say tonight, get that. Jesus loves you. See, there's some, maybe somebody here, you feel like nobody loves you. You feel like your mama don't love you, your daddy don't love you, you feel like your friends don't love you. You feel like nobody cares for you. Some people even may, may even feel like your dog don't love you. And brothers and sisters, if you feel like your dog don't love you, you're in bad shape. My dog loves me no matter what. But sometimes I wonder, amen? Well, I've got good news for you. Listen, I want you to know Jesus loves you. Jesus had compassion on those who had lost it all, according to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 25, with the widow of Nain. She had lost her husband. She had lost her son. She had lost everything she had in this world. Jesus had compassion on her. How many of you know Jesus loves the down and outs? You say, well, who's the down and outs? Who's the least of these? Well, those are the ones the world's forgot about. You know Jesus loves you if you feel like the world's forgot about you. Amen. I want to tell you how I know that. I want to give you two instances in Scripture that I know Jesus loves the down and outs. First of all, Luke chapter 19, you'll find the story of Zacchaeus. I'm not going to go over there and read it to you. You go this week in your quiet time, read it for yourself. There was a story about a man named Zacchaeus, and let me tell you something. Zacchaeus was a very hated man. He was a Jew who worked for the Romans. The Jews and the Romans hated one another. So the Jews hated Zacchaeus. For working for the Romans, himself being a Jew. And the Romans hated Zacchaeus for being a Jew. Everybody hated Zacchaeus. To not, not a, uh, add a coal to the fire. Not only was he a Jew working for the Romans, but he was also a thief. He was a tax collector. And he took much more taxes than what was needed to be taken. And he was putting it in his pocket. He was stealing from people. Zacchaeus was one of the people the world wanted nothing to do with. Most people wanted nothing to do with Zacchaeus. He didn't have a place anywhere. Can you say amen? amen? But the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus came by walking Zacchaeus' way, he looked up into the sycamore tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Jesus loves the down and outs. There's also a story in the book of John, chapter number 8. Many of you remember this from my study in the book of John in Wednesday nights. When Jesus was there at the Feast of the Tabernacles. And they brought unto him a woman caught in adultery. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious crowd drugged this woman in right in front of everybody, threw her down in the midst of the temple and said, Lord, what are we going to do with her? The law says she should be stoned. She was caught in the very act of adultery. And if you remember, Jesus being cooler than the other side of the pillow. That's, that's my Jesus. Can you say amen? He begins, he stoops down and begins riding in the sand. 
And the Bible says all of those accusers that were standing around this woman from the oldest uh, to the youngest, they began walking up and looking at what Jesus was what was writing there. And one by one they left. Now, there's been a lot of debate on what Jesus was writing there in the sand. What I believe he was writing was the sins of all the ones standing in that circle. I believe they walked up and Jesus was writing that. That looked very familiar to them. And they said, oh, no, I I can't hang around here. And one by one, they had to leave. And so Jesus looks at the woman who was caught in adultery, and he says, woman, where are thine accusers? And she says, there's no one left, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wow. The ones that nobody wanted nothing to do with, the down and outers, Jesus loves. Not only does Jesus love the down and outers, he loves the uppity ups. Can you say amen? The ones that are on the top rung of the social ladder. If you go back and look in John chapter 3, you're going to find a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, the Bible says, was a teacher in Israel. He was a man of authority. He was a Pharisee. He was a leader among the Jews. The Bible says he came to Jesus by night. <laughs> and listen, he said, Lord, I, we know that you've come from God because nobody is doing the things that you're doing. They saw a great difference in Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And Jesus told Zacchaeus, one of my favorite verses in the pages of Scripture, John chapter 3 and verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I'm telling you, Jesus loves the down and outers. He loves the uppity ups, the ones on the highest rung of the social ladder. He loves all the ones in between. No matter where you find yourself, I'm telling you tonight, the love of God is shown in Jesus. Whoever you are, I want you to know Jesus loves you so much he died for you. Think about that. See, let me give you the gospel in a nutshell. God's holy. God's righteous. How many of you know God does everything right at all times? He's just. He's creator God, amen? He has all things in his control and under his power. I want you to know that the God who is holy can have absolutely nothing to do with sin. And that causes us a great problem because the Bible says we were all born into it according to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10. I was born into sin. You were born into sin. We came here needing a Savior. Not only were we born into sin, we've also committed sin in our lives. The Bible says we, there are a lot of things we shouldn't do. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't steal. We shouldn't do a lot of stuff. And the Bible also says there's some things that we should do. And guess what? We failed them both. We haven't done what we should have done, and we have done what we shouldn't do. There's sins of omission and sins of commission, and we're guilty of all of it. I've told a lie. I've took things that didn't belong to me. That makes me a liar. That makes me a thief. Listen, the Bible says I should love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but I fail in that. Guess what that makes me? A sinner standing in need of a Savior. The problem is, my sin separated me from a holy God. Are you hearing me? Now, I've got some good news for you. You want to know the gospel? This is it. God sent Jesus, his son, to this earth. And when Jesus came, he was born perfectly. He wasn't born into sin like I was, like you was. Amen? Listen, he, he, he came here being born of, the, of a perfect virgin birth. 
He lived a perfect life and his life satisfied the righteousness of God. He did everything right, fulfilling God's law. Then the Bible says he went to a cross and took the punishment for my sin and for your sin. How many of you ever got whooped for something you didn't do? I remember, I grew up with two brothers, man. There was a lot of times in my house, if something went wrong with me and my brothers, everybody got it. I mean, we'd been there fighting in the living room, and daddy, mom and daddy would hear us from, from another room. And I can, I can always remember my dad coming in there like Zorro, man. He'd have that belt. He'd rip it off, man, with one hand. He'd be ready to go. And it didn't even matter who had done what. Who was to, everybody got the whooping. Now, there were times, listen, I got whoopings I didn't need, but I can promise you, there were times I didn't get whoopings I should have got. But, but I always hated getting whooped for something I didn't do. Guess what happened? We did what was wrong in our sin, and Jesus took our whooping. He took our punishment for the wrong that we have done. And now God says, all who will trust in Jesus, their sins can be forgiven. And listen to me now. That which, now, which did separate them, our sin, separate us, our sin, can be taken away by the blood of Christ when we place our faith in Jesus. Wow. It's by God's grace. Through our faith, we are born again in the family of God. Do you get that? Do you see that tonight? It is through Jesus we are shown the love of God in his person and in his practice. Do you remember me telling you this morning that compassion is love in action? Well, guess what? Jesus showed how much he loved me and how much he loves you, each and every one of us, how much he loves this world when he went to a cross and took the punishment for our sins. It's shown in his person, in his practice, but it's also in his profession. Look, look in John chapter 15. Just flip over one chapter there. And down at verse number 13. Jesus speaking to, unto his disciples, he says, Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. What's Jesus professing? I love you more than anything because I'm willing to give myself for you. I'm willing to do for you. What you can't do for yourself. How many of you know a sinful man can't die for sin? That sacrifice would not be acceptable to a holy God. But now listen, it took the perfect holy Lamb of God, Jesus Christ himself, to come and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus professed, you know I love you because I'm laying down my life for you. Jesus shows us the love of God in his person, in his practice, and in his profession. But now, why is that important? Let's apply this to our lives. Uh, why does that mean something to me and to you? Well, well to the believer, uh, for the, first of all, for the lost man, if you're here and you're lost, that means a great deal for you. Through Christ, you can experience God's love. You can be changed. You can have eternal life and have your sins forgiven. Can you say amen? amen. That's available tonight to all who receive it. For the saved, let me tell you how that applies to you. Your sins have been forgiven if you've trusted in Jesus by grace through faith. But also, listen to me now, it lets you know at all times God loves you no matter what. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Do you know that God's love is not based upon your circumstance or situation? 
See, there's going to be times when you're going to go through some bad circumstances and bad situations in this life. It's just going to happen. Not because God don't love you, but because we live in a world that's marred by sin. We live in an imperfect world full of imperfect people, and as long as we live here, we're going to have problems. Now, you're going to have terrible circumstances, situations, bad things that happen to you, and that's not because God don't love you. Listen, that's because it's a world full of sin. And I want you to understand and know, God is on record for His love for you. Not because something good happens to you or something bad happens to you, but because Jesus died for you. Amen? Well, that changes everything. Then no matter what happens, you know God still loves you. Now, nobody knew this better than the Apostle Paul. How do you know the Apostle Paul? This is a great man of God, strong believer. The foremost preacher of the gospel that we see in the New Testament. He wrote 13 books. I believe he wrote 14 books of the New Testament. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. But the Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament scriptures that we now study and base our, our modern church upon. Great man of God. But you know what happened to Paul? He was persecuted greatly for his faith. He was imprisoned. He was beaten several times. He was actually stoned and left for dead. I believe he did die. I believe God raised him up. Now, you don't have to believe that, but Paul went through some great hardships. Now, listen, not because he had done something wrong, but because he had done something right as a child of God, following Christ. But listen what he wrote. Romans chapter 5. Flip over there with me just a moment. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. He wrote this, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So what's Paul saying? We know God loves us. How do we know it? Not because of our circumstance or situation. We know God loves us because Jesus died for us. So don't let the enemy come to you and whisper lies because he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what Jesus said. How do you know the devil is a, is a, is a dirty dog? Amen? He's a liar and the father of lies. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and when, when bad things happen to men and women of God, to people who have been born again, it's a perfect time for Satan to whisper in your ear and say, if God really, really loved you, these things wouldn't be happening in your life. Anybody ever had that happen? You ever had those thoughts run through your mind? If God really loved you, uh, then he would answer your prayer quicker than what he's answering it. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be in the shape that you're in. Let me share something with you. God's on record for how much he loves you. And it's because Jesus, his son, died for you. So that question is not even on the table anymore. 1 John chapter 4, we sing an old song. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. Amen. Why do I love Jesus? Not because of who I am or what I've done. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was rebelling against Jesus. Jesus found me. He loved me. Amen. 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 I'm telling you, the hound of heaven got on my trail and just wouldn't let up. He 
He found me when I was running just as hard away from him as I could possibly run. Let me prove it to you. 1 John chapter number 4, watch this. Verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. There it is, verse 9. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God. Not that we were following after God and wanted God. Not that we loved Him. Watch this now. But... That he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the acceptable sacrifice for our sins. That's how we know God loves us. Oh, God loves you. I've told you before, I never understood the love of God even a little bit until I had children of my own. Still don't understand it fully. I don't think any of us will understand it perfectly and fully until we're in heaven with him. Until we are as he is. Then I think we'll get it. But right now in this flesh, I, don't, I think that's really impossible for us to fully understand the depth of the love of God. When I had, our, my wife had our babies, when I held Anna Kate and Gage and Ellie Grace in my arms for the first time, I instantly fell in love with those kids. And I instantly knew I would do whatever necessary to give them what they needed, to provide for them, to protect them. And I still will do anything needed for those babies. I love them so much. But now let me tell you what God's Word says, Isaiah 53 and 10. Isaiah 53 and 10 says it pleased God the Father to bruise his son. To have him humiliated, beaten with a cat of nine tails, spit upon, beard plucked out, nailed to a cross. It pleased God to bruise Jesus. Let me tell you why, because that's the only way we could be saved. Now, if God loved Jesus more perfectly than I love my children, and he does. How much does God love you if he'd give Jesus so that you might be saved? Think about that. God's love. It's amazing. It's shown in Jesus. It's known through salvation. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 5. Look there with me. Very quickly, and I'm done. Romans chapter 5, verse number 5, the Bible says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. How many know when you get saved, when you trust in Jesus by grace through faith, when you come to the place and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need the salvation, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins, I know you took the punishment for my sins at the cross, Lord, would you save me? I can tell you that when you come to that place in your life, automatically, the moment you trust in Jesus, there's a lot of stuff that happens. A lot of stuff. The Bible says our sins are put as far as the east is from the west. Can you say amen from that? Listen, so if the sin that separates us is removed, there's no more separation. Then we're reconciled to God. We are made now by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2. We are made partakers of the promise, Ephesians 2. We are called from deadness to life, Ephesians 2. All of that happens when we get saved. 
Let me tell you something else really cool that happens when you, listen, the Holy Spirit, God himself, God the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. See, salvation is a supernatural work of God. The moment you say yes to Jesus, he changes you on the inside that makes a difference on the outside. The Holy Spirit does that. How do you think it's possible? I'm telling you, I've seen some of the most foul-mouthed people I've ever been around in my life that couldn't say five words without a cuss word mixed in there somewhere. I mean, just cuss for no reason. Then That's just in their vocabulary. And they've done that their whole life for years and years and years. And the moment they trust in Jesus, that mouth gets cleaned up just like that. How is it possible that a man or a woman that has been addicted to some of the most addictive substances known to man that have, have struggled with those addictions, those addictions had a stronghold and a stranglehold on their life for years upon years upon years. And the moment they trust in Jesus, just like that, it's gone. How is that possible? I tell you how. That's not, that don't happen by willpower. That happens through supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. How is it that a man or a woman who has struggled with the peace they've been longing for for years and they've tried to find it in everything, Everything the world has to offer, they've tried to find it in religion, just being a good person, coming to church, and they're just miserable on the inside. And automatically, when they trust in Jesus, peace comes. How does that happen? Amen. I'll tell you how it happens. Amen. Through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. He indwells the believer. And the Bible says, it's through that indwelling. Amen. That the, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. With the Holy Spirit comes the love of God. So listen to me now. The love of God is shown in Christ, in Jesus. And it's known through salvation. The moment you trust in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the love of God. Amen? Supernatural love of God. Now, let me show you the difference. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus tells us very plainly. He says, uh, listen with me in verse 39. He says, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have your cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Look at the attitude, the character of the person walking in the love of God. It says if somebody walks up and punches you on the right side of your face to, to turn the cheek and, and offer them the left side. It says if somebody wants your coat, your outer garment, go ahead and give them your cloak too, your inner garment. It says if somebody wants you to go a mile with them, go the extra mile with them. Now, how many of you know that's not how the natural man thinks? That's not how the man operating in the power of the flesh thinks. I'm going to tell you something. A man operating in the power of the flesh, somebody hits him on the right side, they're fixing to be a fight. Amen? A man operating in the power of the flesh, if somebody sues you for your coat, they ain't going to automatically give you cloak. They're probably going to be mad about it. A man operating in the power of the flesh, they may not feel like going a mile with you, much less two. See, what I'm trying to say is, it takes the supernatural work and power of the Holy Spirit of God for you to live like this. 
That, and that's, that's the point that Jesus is making under these scribes and Pharisees. He goes on and says, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. <laughs> he says in verse thir- uh, 43, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. How I many you know it's absolutely impossible for you to walk in the power of the flesh, the natural man, and bless those that are cussing you out? You ever been cussed out real good? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. It is so hard for me a lot of times to swallow my pride. Maybe I'm the only one. It's hard for me to die to my flesh. I was in Haleville, Alabama about two or three years ago. We was up there flagging traffic, working on the highway. Um, there There was a man who came by. I'd seen him about two or three times that day, and every time he come day, he'd give him a bad, sour looks. I'm talking about me mugging me all the way, Lizzie, coming by, just looking at me all hard, boy. We stopped him that evening. He's the first one in line. Sitting there, I'm sitting probably 10, 15 feet from him. I was out there dumping some trucks, letting the motor grader blade it off the side of the road. And, 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 and uh, he's, he's standing there, just again, mean mugging me, looking right at me. Now, the only reason we ain't letting him go is because if he goes, he's going to meet somebody head on in traffic and cause a wreck. We ain't holding him there just for the fun of it. But he's sitting there just looking at me. And so the moment we turn him loose, when it's his time to go, he pulls up right next to me and cusses me like a dog. Listen to me. In the power of the flesh, it's very difficult to bless that man. It's very difficult for me to look at him and say, God bless you. Boy, Jesus loves you. You can't do that in the power of the flesh. Let me tell you what that takes. Supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wanted to lay hands on him. I think you probably know where I'm going. I, we lay hands to pray for people, but prayer was far from my mind at that time. You know what I'm saying? It takes the Spirit of God to give you restraint, to give you self-control, to give you patience, to give you joy. I hadn't always been perfect at it. I'm still growing just like everybody else. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your father. He said, if you want to know what it's like to be children of God, that's it. Well, that has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. You supernaturally love. He goes on to say in that scripture, and you can read it for yourself, that what, what does it profit if you love those who love you back? That's what the, a regular man does. That's what the natural man does. The child of God loves through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the love of God is known through salvation. And the child of God loves others as Christ loved us. What does that mean? Folks, that means we meet people right where they are. I don't care where they've been or what they've done, what they look like. I want you to know they're welcome right here. See, the truth is we're all just a bunch of messed up people. We're all just a bunch of sinners that need saving. Standing in need of a Savior. Needing the grace of God. That's all of us. You say, brothers, I've already been saved. Well, guess what? You needed a Savior just like everybody else. You needed God's grace just like everybody else. 
The ground at the foot of the cross is level for us all. I'm telling you, we all stand in need of the grace of God. So we meet people right where they are. Why? Because that's how Jesus met me. You don't come to Jesus and, or you don't clean up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he cleans you up. So we'll just take you whoever you are. Can you say amen? Praise God. We love as Christ loves. The Bible says there were some scribes and Pharisees that came to the Lord and they said, could you tell us what the greatest commandment is? And he said, "This is these, the whole law can be summed up in this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. See, sometimes we make it too complicated. As the people of God, let me tell you what God's called us to do. Love God, love people. We miss it so many times in the church. A lot of people view Christianity as a set of rules and regulations that become a burden. Christianity is about loving people, loving God, that is truly a blessing. That's Christianity. Making a difference in people's lives. Meeting them where they are. Going the extra mile. Helping people along the way. Showing compassion to those in need. That's what we're called to do. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, he said to his disciples, this commandment I give unto you that you love others as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By what? Did he say by coming to church all men are going to know that you're my disciples? Did he say, uh, listen, uh, by giving a lot of money all men's going to know that you're my disciples? Did he say, um, by, by, by uh, helping little old ladies across the street every day, everybody's going to know that you're my disciples? He said, by the love you show one to another, they'll know you're my disciples. Now, what's that look like? Well, that can mean helping little old ladies across the street. That can be given to those in need. That's certainly coming to church, but it must be motivated by love. Are you getting the picture? That's the love of God. Shown in Jesus, known in salvation, made real to us so that we might make it real to others. We are the church, the hands and feet of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's reach out, see needs, and meet needs. I love this song that um, has come out in the last few years where it talks about give me your eyes that I might see all that I've been missing. Those that are hurting around me, it talks about those that are in need around me. I want to have the eyes of Jesus so that I can see the need and meet the need. Now let me ask you this. Do you know the love of God tonight? Have you been saved? Listen, the Bible says, if you've not been saved and you leave this walk of life not knowing Jesus, the only place you can go in eternity is a place called hell. That's the punishment for sin. Guess what? Jesus has already took your punishment for sin. And if you trust in him, you won't have to be punished in hell. You can have eternal life with him in heaven. Amen. But it takes trusting in him. You feel like nobody else loves you? Jesus loves you tonight. He wants to save you tonight if you need saving. If you're already saved, aren't you thankful you got in on this? Boy, me too. Everybody stand together.
If you want to come tonight and be saved, just come say, brothers, I need to be saved. I need to trust in Jesus. I want to know the love of God. If that's you this evening, would you come? If you've already been saved, but maybe you want to pray for a lost loved one, lost family member, lost friend, would you come? Pray for them. I believe the first step in somebody getting saved is somebody praying for them. I really do. Because let, let me share with you what happens. When we start praying, the power of God is released upon our situation. And God the Holy Spirit begins convicting of the, the heart of the one who needs salvation. Pray for them. Ask God to convict that heart so that they might know their sin and know their need for Jesus. If you need to do that tonight, you come. These altars are open. Whatever you need this evening, don't you wait one minute. You come right now. Play for us, my brother.